Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine kicks off our new series, The Good Life. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor Antoine Lasseter. I am so excited about today's message for several reasons. Um, one being that you're here to hear it, and that's always good. Um, but it's also the Lord uh, speaking to us in this hour. Uh, we're going to talk about the good life. Everybody want it, right? Raise your hand if you want a good life. Okay, some of you don't. Wow. I guess they want a great life. Okay, I'm just helping them out. Um, if, I were to, if I were to ask you what type of life you wanted to have, um, I'm sure that the answers will be just as uh, uh, varied as the crowd. And so we have a diverse crowd here today, but I'm sure that there are some common things that we'll share. So we started this year in a series called Start. Um, and that was the sermon series. And the sermon series was to help create rhythms as we approach this year. Now, I don't know about you, but if I pause long enough, I realize, Angelo, that it's the second month of this year. And it feels like it's flying again. Like we just said, three, two, one, happy new year. And now we prepping for Valentine's Day. So um, what, I've, what I've realized, though, that um, we have the same 24 hours in the day. So is time really speeding up or are we so cluttered in that day that it's hard to uh, take a moment, take a pause, take a break? And so I assure you that everybody on this planet has 24 hours. I promise you. I assure you, everyone has 168 hours in a week. But if we're honest, it feels like we got like 12. By the time you go to work, come home, fight traffic, fight with them kids, not us. Not us. It just seems like you're such in this routine. And my grandfather used to say, the days are long, but the years are short. And it seems like when doing that time, Tiffany, you know how it is. It's like uh, you wake up and, and it's just this slow grind and you talk to people and you say, how's everything going? And they say, man, I'm just grinding, bro. It's, it's like life can feel like it's grinding. And so we attempted to put some uh, things in place. Um, and how many, and they're not resolutions, they're rhythms, right? So the rhythms are, we're trying to learn how to rest. We're reading the Bible together as a church. Everybody's doing that, reading your Bible? No, you're not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're reading the Bible together, and um, as I said before, uh, I've said this a thousand times, you preach to yourself more than I ever will. And your favorite preacher can't preach to you as much as you preach to yourself. Like, you know, those inner thoughts, those in, you preach to yourself. And so reading God's word, the whole, the whole desire is that the moments when you begin to preach to yourself, you preach the truth of his word concerning yourself. And so we want to create these rhythms where the word of God is so in you that before you, <clears throat> you repeat what he said. That's why we're trying to create these rhythms. Justin Early, he says it this way. He says, we are all living according to a specific regimen of habits 
And those habits shape most of our life. I want you to think about your habits, your rhythms for a moment. Are your rhythms uh, promoting the things of God somewhere in the middle? Or nah, Reverend, nah. Your rhythms uh, are dictating the type of life that you want. And so the important things about rhythms are they are shaping and forming us, and we have to counter those rhythms uh, with rhythms that are imbued with the image of God. So the rule of life is a trellis. So anyone know what a trellis is? So a trellis is you see that you see that little squares in the back. The trellis is structure that allows the plant. The, the vine to grow upward. It just provides the structure for the plant. Otherwise, the plant will just continue to be on the ground and it will not get what it needs. So when we talk about the rule of life, what we're saying is that we want to have some structure of, for our lives that calls us to grow in the direction that we want to grow. It's not to bind you, it's not to, it's not to obligate you, but the realities of it is, if we're not intentional about these rhythms, if we are not intentional about the rhythms, if we are not intentional about rhythms, then even in our greatest attempts, we can be all over the place and we don't grow. Our biggest need is a fully restored relationship with God. Your biggest need isn't money. Your biggest need isn't to be healed. Your biggest, our biggest need is to be fully restored to God. Restored back into our original purpose. But God not only restores, he makes us like himself. So we're not trying to be better versions of ourselves. We are trying to be like Jesus. And if we don't have rhythms to do so, now we need the help of the Holy Spirit and the whole church said amen. Because reverend, sometimes people dot, dot, dot. So we need, uh, we need the rhythms um, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us with those rhythms because we are with him, with Christ, through grace, and we become like him with that same grace. Philippians 4 and 11. Um, this is Paul. Paul says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Is that your testimony? Because Reverend, I struggle with that. Uh, verse number 12, I know how to make do with little, and I, I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Anybody want that secret? Y'all making me work. Hmm. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Who is him? Jesus. He, so he's saying, listen, here's the secret. The secret to contentment, the secret to having a good life 
outside of whether things are going great or bad is Jesus. Do you believe that? Paul was fighting against the nagging feeling of wanting more. And many of us are struggling because we're asking the question, it has to be more than this. I get up, get the kids ready, go get them ready for school, go to work, go home, go to sleep, get the kid, wake up, get the kids ready for school, go to work, come home, go to sleep, get up, go to work. You see the pattern in the cycle we in? Anybody want more than that? Now, here's the challenge for wanting more of that. Uh, the wisdom of Solomon found in Ecclesiastes. Um, this guy has obtained everything that you could possibly have. He had money, he had cars, chariots, he had money, he had cars, he had everything you thought or, you th or he thought he needed. And you know what he says? He says, it's vanity, all vanity. It's like chasing wind. That these things that he has acquired was not enough. He has chased wisdom, pleasures. He sought immortality. He tried to control his life. He was competing with his neighbor, and this was pre-Facebook. He was trying to make a name for himself, and he came up with one conclusion. He said, it's like chasing wind. I have acquired all these things, and it's empty. So, it may not be the stuff we have. And then um, Paul equates everything that he lost to follow Christ. He called it dung, uh, excrement, feces. So what I had before Christ was crap. That's what he says. Something happens when we... Uh, Something happens when we see the purpose of our lives is not what we have. He says, uh, so we must live in a way that our unfulfilled desires don't determine our happiness. This is the good life. And you and I, how many believers in the church? That means you and I seriously have everything we need. But can we, can, can I just be honest for a second? It don't feel like it though. So if, if Paul says everything that I had before Christ was nothing, and now whatever state I find myself in, whether I have a lot and I'm feasting or whether I have a little and I'm fasting, I have found contentment. Well, Paul, how is that your testimony and not mine? Because I still feel like I have in need of stuff. And I'm in this cycle where I'm trying to get more stuff. Like the reason why some of us are working so hard and long is because we need stuff. 
Kids need stuff. I need stuff. You need stuff. We need stuff. Sounds like a song. Yo, somebody need to to TikTok that. Get my views up. Listen. So so we have this, we have this desire. Like, like we have this desire to have more stuff. I was actually talking to my son um, earlier, right in the huddle, and he's in this cycle now. I'm working, coming home just to go to sleep so I can get back up and work. It has to be more. Anybody, anybody tracking with me? It has to be more for, than this. So... It has to be more. And to live a good life in a world that keeps defining what a good life is. Like, let's just be honest. Can I be honest, sir? Some of us are tired of tired, you tired, like exhausted with pulling up the rear. You get everything last. Hand me down. Just me? Okay, I'm just going to preach to myself. Y'all can peek in you want. So here's the challenge. So I hear scriptures that surely mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. And if that's true, then where's goodness and mercy? And so um, my life and your life, when we're leading it, is exhausted we, we become exhausted and frustrated when we are leading ourselves. But there's something happens when we allow him to lead us. Because when we allow him to lead us, goodness and mercy follows us. So the question we got to ask ourselves, Tiffany, who is doing the leading? John chapter 10, and we're going to park here. John chapter 10, verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. (laughs) That's a place to start. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will continue in and go out and find pasture. A thief welcomes, I mean, a thief comes only to steal and and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. Say the good shepherd. He sa- Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. Now, I've, I've read this scripture a thousand times, and um, I'm going to, it's not a trick question, but I guess it is. Who's the thief and the robber? Just shoot it out. Shout it out. Who's the thief and the robber? You said Satan? That's what, that's what I thought too. Until you start to see the fullness of that, of that, of that scriptures. Jesus is literally saying, he starts off, go back to verse 28. He goes back and he's getting us a point. And then we park, um, we, we park at verse number 10. And he says, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. 
So here's the challenge. The thief comes to only steal and to kill and to destroy. And so what we have contributed that to is Satan. Now that may be a characteristic of Satan, but that's not who he's referring to in this scripture. In this scripture, he's referring to false teachers. And what has happened is false teachers have, have deceived the church, the people of God, into believing a good life is living in abundance with material possessions. And so now, this season that we're in, we're learning from Jesus. We have to learn from Jesus. We have to learn, unlearn, and relearn. There are some things in us that we have learned that contributed to Jesus. And now, our theology is so messed up that we're complaining that we're not living a good life and not understanding that the life we have is good because we belong to God. And so if the challenge is not a newborn baby that we're raising up, the challenge is a teenager who knows everything that we didn't raise. What are you saying? What I'm saying is I thought that having a good life was X, Y, Z, where I lived, how much money I had in the bank, and we equate blessings to having stuff. And so now when he's providing for us, we become entitled because the provision is to meet needs. But we are taught that the provision is abundance. No, you have everything you need. And when Paul says, I am content, that means whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, God is still good. And what's hurtful to the church, let me just bring it to your house. Let's say you, um, you did the best you could with the kids, that your kids, and you provided for them for Christmas, and you, I mean, you, you bet the farm. You did everything you could, and they were, and so they played with the toys, whatever that means, and they go to school, and they see somebody else who has more than them, and then they don't appreciate what you did. And that's how we do God. He provides for us, and so then we just look around and say, well, they got this car, and they live here, and we become spoiled, entitled children. It's tight, but it's right. I'm going to help us because what happens is we begin to neglect the fact that we no longer thankful. We neglect the fact that God is still good in spite of the fact that we may not have everything we want but we have everything we need. See, when Matthew chapter 6, when he says, take no thought for your life, and then we roll around Matthew 6, and he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. We will have everything we need to seek the kingdom, not possessions. We will have everything we need for the kingdom. The good life is not stuff. It never was. The good life is the fact that I was a sinner. The good life was when Jesus entered into my life, I was not sentenced to hell. The good life is, is, is when not only am I not sentenced to hell, I am being formed and shaped into the image of the one that's created me. In other words, we are not restored, we are reborn. 
We are new creations. And so what that does for us is we realize whether he gives me 72 years, 80 years, or my life is cut short now, I get to be with the one who created me. And if that's not enough, this is when Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Life is hope in Christ. And when that stops being enough, when that is no longer talked about or preached about, it's stuff. And I can tickle you to hell. And that's why he says there's thieves and robbers because we have not tasted and seen how good he is. We have been lied to about the promises that he provides. So he says a thief comes on the steal and the kill and destroy. And so we are mortgaging our good life away. How are how we doing it? Because we are trying to obtain more stuff. Put it this way. No matter how big your house is, if you don't get along with the people in it, it is not big enough. No matter how small your house is, if you're sharing it with the one you love, it's big enough. Because it's not the house. It's not the car. Man, oh my, when, I, 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 I feared the day. I feared the day. Listen, I don't know where you are. We're all in a different social economic bracket. Don't get me wrong. Being poor is hard. Being rich is easier than being poor, and I get it. But here's the challenge. More money, more problems. Yeah, I get it. Here's the, here's the challenge, though. We have failed to be grateful whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. So here's the problem, people of God. If we are not thankful for where we are, why would he take us somewhere else? And I tell pastors this to all, this is a lesson for church planners. I tell them all the time, pastor the people you have. Period. Love the people you have. In other words, let me just bring it out to you. Love the spouse you have. Love the children you have. Like some, the same kids that you're rolling your eyes with is the same children that somebody is begging to have. Like, 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 listen, your job is hard. It is. But somebody will replace you and send you unemployment on, to take your job. This, and the hard thing, Tiffany, is, and this is what I have to smite my own heart. I'm just talking about me. I have gotten to the place that I'm no longer grateful, and now I feel entitled. Why ain't my church growing like their church? First of all, Reverend, it's my church, it's not yours. I'm, I just, listen, I'm just trying to be, listen, this is your first time with us. My apologies. I get excited and I yell and I look angry at times. Sometimes I watch myself without the sound and I'd be like, man, that dude's angry. I'm passionate. I love the things of God and I love God's people. And, and, and it's, it's that competition that we're in, the, and it's, man, to prove that he's with us and how we prove that he's with us is with the stuff that we have. I mean, we, we, we are following people on social media that they keep showing a highlight reel of their life. You cannot compete with your realities and their highlight reel. You can't do it. 
You can't do it. The good life. The good life. See, the good life is when Jesus gives us access. He says, I'm the door. Now, I love what he means by that because he's saying that a good shepherd, not a hireling, but a good shepherd going to tell you the truth. The good shepherd um, in this culture, the good shepherd, uh, sheep are, I'm not calling y'all sheep. I'm describing sheep. Elder Nate said this a, a while back. I'm not calling you sheep. We are likened to sheep. And sheep are just stupid animals. Sheep will graze and eat all day and never look up and will get lost and can't defend themselves. Sheep will get so thirsty that they will go to drink and their wool will get wet and they will drown. Sheep are not the brightest animals in the farm. Sheep are, bro, sheep are idiots. Like, so when he says, I'm a good shepherd, he's saying, the sheep can't even defend themselves. Sheep will follow a lead sheep. And if that, I mean, this is sheep. So sheep will follow the lead sheep right off a cliff and nobody says a word. No other sheep is like, yo, you see that? No, they just keep following. Maybe something down there. That's sheep. And he says, sheep. (laughs) He said, I'm not only a good shepherd, but I'm the door. And so sometimes what happens when they're in the marketplace or they're in the world or in a public place, all the sheep intermingle. And they'll hang out with each other and stuff like that. And then, listen, I'm not a shepherd. I don't know what they say. Maybe they say, come on. And then the sheep who belong to that shepherd um, actually comes and they walk and they follow that voice. That's why he says, my sheep know me. They know my voice. And another they will follow. They won't follow. So sheep can understand the shepherd's voice because the shepherd is taking care of them. So when they're mixed in the world, the shepherd, the sheep, know the voice of the shepherd. So this is the sheep. So when they're in public and they hear the voice of their shepherd, they respond and act accordingly. And so it's important for the sheep to hear and wait and listen for the shepherd. But then sometimes they're in, they're in the wild. So you go from the world to the wild. So they're in the wild, yes. And when they're in the wild, um, there's, there's, there's a protection. So they usually go into like a place, like a cave, I would suppose, but the door. There's a door. And what the shepherd will do to make sure that the sheep are safe, they will lay, he will lay at the, at the front of the door. Because if wild animals come, the wild animals got to meet the shepherd first before they have access to the sheep. And that's what they do. So when Jesus says, I am the door, he's not only saying I'm the only way to the Father, he's saying I protect my sheep. And so here's the challenge, Tiffany. The challenge is you don't heard the voice of God. You, let's just be real. When we are born again, the Spirit of God enters us. It's not because you speak in tongues. It's when you have confessed and you have believed that Christ is the Son of the living God and his death burial and resurrection is appropriation of our sins the atonement that we need because we are disgusting sinners we are good at it 
And this was what's so crazy. I remember when my kids were small. I was trying to teach them all the good stuff and all the other stuff. But I remember innately, Justin, you're a little younger then. I forgive you, son. But Justin, Justin took something that won't his. He a little bit, he look, how you, how you, where did that come from? And I said, hey, man, it's not yours, mine. Whoa, whoa. What happens is it's innate in us. We are not naturally good. And so the problem with reading through Scripture, we keep reading as if we're the hero. We see ourselves as David. Nah, bro, you the one in the corner saying they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. That's, we, we always attribute us to the hero. We quote Joshua, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Okay, serve the Lord when a sword is coming for your neck. So, I don't know where I got that on that. That was free. Listen, Jesus gives us access. He says, I'm the door. The only, only Jesus is the way to the Father. We're talking about a good life now. Listen, you can have as many crystals Burn stuff all you want. You can, you, you can, what is it? Those affirmations and all that stuff. I am loved. I am cherished. I am, you can do all that you want to, cuz. Oh, hey, everything at this place. Yo, you can burn incense till you burn your house down. If you don't have Jesus, you know what I'm fine. I'm sorry, I'm off. Give me one second, Lord. Listen. You know what I find funny? I find funny that people will, will believe in the foolishness of rocks and crystals and go deep and say, this is this and this is this. And I said, listen, I don't know about all that. I know he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was accused, beaten, and murdered, hung on a cross for three days. And got off that cross with all power in his hand. And you look at me as foolish. And I'm saying, listen, at the very least. And so he, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only means we have of receiving eternal life. That's the good life. Jesus is the only way. This stuff that we're going through, Paul says it this way, these momentary afflictions pales in comparison to the glory that awaits. Mm. Man, come, see, see, Danny, you with me? All right. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but you with me. Okay, so Jesus gives us access based on John chapter 10, verse 7. And then life begins at the new birth. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except by me. So then Jesus, um, Nicodemus, he goes to Jesus at night and he asks Jesus. We all heard, uh, if, you, if you read the scriptures, if you grew up in the church, you know this is familiar. Um, so Nicodemus asked the Lord, asked Jesus, like, well, how can I, how can I see the kingdom? How can, I, how, how can I do these spiritual things? And, and Jesus says, you have to be born again. And then Nicodemus was like, so I got to go back in my mom's? No, bro, it's spiritual. Like, that's not, anywho, so, so I can see Jesus' frustrations. Like, 
you know all scriptures, and now you're trying to. And um, he says, he cannot see. Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So many of you, like me, when I read that, okay, so how do I see the kingdom of God? Like, we name our church Think Kingdom. So how do I see the kingdom of God? Well, first, you have to be born into it by spirit, not flesh, which means I confess my sins. And then one of the things that Elder Bruce said last night, shout out to the men. We had a great time last night. Food was good. We back, baby. We back. Anywho, um, so he said, man, I missed my point. One thing Elder Bruce said last night, um, when we say that prayer, you know, when we get saved, when we say the prayer, it's not the prayer that has the magical powers. It's the faith that's connected to the prayer. And so it's seeing, and so how do we see the kingdom? You see the kingdom when you enter into the new birth saying that Christ died, was buried and resurrected. And I believe that he is the son of the living God. And I trust in him. I believe in him. And now my sins are forgiven. And then you and I start seeing the kingdom. How do you start seeing the kingdom? Because you start to see Jesus activating in people close to you or in your own heart. That's how you see the kingdom. His rule began to be, his rule is made known to you. And then the spirit is guiding you. Like, let's just be real. You still, we got kids here. Uh, the children's ministry is going to be open in a couple of weeks, so y'all just hang on. But you don't bless people out as quick. <laughs> You're getting there. The Holy Spirit is working. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. That's the sanctification process that you, are being, you and I are being molded into his image. Yes, you slip sometimes, but now one time you used to stay there. Now you slip like, oh, Lord. Now you don't slip. Now you don't stay there no more. That's the kingdom of God working in you. Yeah, you, ah. you almost had me there, but that's what it is. And so, um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit, and now working in the disobedient. Verse number 4 and 5, but God. See, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And so, when Jesus says, I am the door, he is the door to the good life. And now he says, but God, everybody say, but God. This is a preach right here. If I had an organ, I'd be preaching this. But God, I actually would. But, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. The good life begins with Jesus. You got to get this. So no matter what state you find yourself in, the good life begins and ends with Jesus. So then we are given an eternal perspective. So, First point, Jesus gives us access. Life begins at a new birth. And then there's an eternal perspective. What does that mean? That means that we see and seek the kingdom in our lives. That means, Jess, that I can be in tune with the Holy Spirit 
with like-minded believers. And I can be in tune with the Holy Spirit that they can help and encourage me. And I can see the kingdom of God being activated in not only my life, but theirs. That's why the Hebrew writer said, um, uh, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Because when we gather together, we become an encouragement one to another. That's the eternal perspective. So abundant life means something more meaningful than material wealth and prosperity. Put these scriptures down if you don't mind. Colossians 3, verse 2 and 3. And Matthew 6, verse 25 and 32. The abundant life begins with salvation. Romans 6 and 23. The good life begins, and we're going to unpack these in the next few weeks. An abundant life is first and foremost eternal life. So when we talk about the good life, we're actually talking about the kingdom of God, having the kingdom of God perspective. So even when we raise our kids and we're discipling our kids, we are raising them with Christ in mind. And so when our children, this is, this is telling, so when our children um, accept Jesus Christ, they are now not only our children, but our brother and sister in Christ. You see the responsibility to that? So... The abundant life means gaining a heavenly perspective. It means living a full life with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Our Christ-likeness should be demonstrated in how we treat one another. Yeah, I know that's right. Dude was like, my God. Yeah, it's real. It's how we treat our spouses. It's how I treat our children. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack the fruit of the Spirit. Only Jesus, say only Jesus, brings truly everlasting life and spiritual abundance. Only Jesus. It's very important because there's always going to be counterfeit. All right, you can't buy yourself enough of whatever that is to satisfy you. You can't go, you cannot go away in an exotic location as many times as you feel like you need to to be at true peace without the working of the Holy Spirit. And somebody said, well, I like to try. I get it. <laughs> but we need Christ. And then finally, Jesus does not only preserve life, he provides it. So if you want to have a good life, and, and listen, having stuff, we talked about this last week, having stuff is not the problem. It's the stuff having you. Desiring to travel, listen, that's not the problem. Making sure that we, we, we yes, that's not the problem. The problem is when this stuff becomes such our focus that we become distracted with the things of God. And so this first set, this first message into this new series, The Good Life, my appeal is to those who are not saved, who don't know Jesus, who, who believe that the good life is what you have. 
and that you and your wife or you and your friends have been striving to get stuff, and once you get it, you still feel empty. It's chasing the wind. And so even with our young people, it's oftentimes with young people, you have uh, their peers telling them who they are. The good life is not a feeling. Because you know how it is. Man, sometimes I feel like Superman. Sometimes I feel like his third cousin twice removed. Like bum ale. Like I feel, I feel. But the truth of the matter is the rhythms that we're trying to create and we're inviting you into is the rhythms of making sure that Christ remains the center of your life. So you can pin the letter like Paul did. That no matter where I find myself in, find myself with a lot, find myself with a little, I am content. That concludes this week's message. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.